Hey everyone, Marcia here with the Center for Leadership in Athletics at the University of Washington's College of Education. At the Center, we believe that athletics can serve as a unifier and as a platform for examining issues of social justice. And we acknowledge that the athletics landscape is also fraught with inequity and a history of racism. At the Center, we are committed to examining and disrupting educational structures that perpetuate racism. We know this begins with deeply listening to and engaging with historically oppressed voices. This week, we're beginning a series of conversations with voices of color within the education and athletics landscape. We hope these conversations will bring us together as we work to create sport settings that are just and equitable. We know that education and sport has a role in healing and in giving us hope. Thanks for being with us. From our home offices in Seattle, I'm Marcia Daniel with the University of Washington's Center for Leadership in Athletics. Today we have Marcus Jackson joining us, who is Youth Development Specialist and Program Coordinator and Director and Trainer at the Boys and Girls Club in Seattle, and is also a youth coach. Marcus, I want to thank you for being, and you've had a, you're back at work and you've had a long day and you're joining us after work, so thank you for making time to be with us. No problem. I'm excited. Uh, I love uh, having good conversations with you. It's going to be fun. Well, we're glad to have you here. Um, Marcus, you and I spoke recently about personal and collective identity. I was hoping you could share a few of those reflections you've had around identity. I think lately I've just really been thinking about um, how important it is for everyone to consider every part of their personality and their identity as far as, you know, maybe their gender, um, sexual orientation, all of those things are important, but even getting down to smaller aspects of yourself, like your interests, uh, your values, um, morals, things that I guess you have to express a bit more or have a clearer understanding of within yourself to be able to express clearly. Yeah, it's just been an interesting time, especially with everything that's been going on to dig deeper and really understand and be able to communicate exactly how you feel about something, especially if you are a part of an identity group that there tends to be a, a common understanding or a common opinion about how they feel in certain areas. For example, if you were to run into a black man who is a Republican, I think there's often the, the thought that that would not be the case very often. They're usually liberal or democratic. And, um, but if you are Republican and you're black, you, it, I'm sure that you have a lot of people questioning you about why you have those, those beliefs or why you feel that way. So, you know, I would say that there is pressure on everybody, everybody, you know, depending on whatever your identity is, you have pressures coming from within your identity group and from without. So I guess as a black man, you know, um, I think we see a lot of times in the media and, uh, and the portrayal of black men that, you know, you're tougher, you come from a tougher background, you're more street or whatever that means. Or, you know, you have these aspects that have been shown so much in the media or that, you know, some people grow up in that. Or those are the examples that they have gotten. Um, and so they feel this pressure to fit into that mold. Um, and I think that's something that even within my culture or in my identity group of a black man that that's sometimes also believed within certain circles that, yeah, if you haven't had to go through anything, you're somehow, you know, I hate to say it, but some people would describe it. Maybe you're not black enough. 
those of us who are familiar with the show Fresh Prince, like the Carlton character, they're always, you know, looking at Carlton as like, you know, they make these jokes about, oh, he's an Oreo or he's, you know, he's not hood enough or he isn't down enough or whatever. So there's this pressure to feel like you need to be involved in something that maybe you weren't around. Maybe you didn't grow up around. Maybe you're not as in touch with. And that can be tough, I think. I think at a young age, it's a little bit harder to identify that, like, maybe that just wasn't my experience, but I look similar to those who have had that experience. And I think it's hard to decipher that at some younger ages. Well, this is a time when many of us are digging deep to reflect on our personal beliefs and values. And part of that, of course, is considering the ways in which our beliefs and values have been shaped by our family and the community we grew up in. And you mentioned that this has been an important part of your exploration around identity. Marcus, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, for me, a, a big part of that exploration really started as I got to college. Um, being um, the first person in my family to go to college, it was, you know, it was up to me to kind of figure it out. My parents were supporting me as much as possible, but, you know, it was kind of more of like uh, cheering you on kind of a thing like wow we're so proud of you like oh my son's going to college and you know they were just proud and happy and that was great because I didn't know what else they needed to do but as I got to college I went to Seattle Pacific University so it was also you know a private Christian university um, predominantly white very upper class so it was very different it was a very new experience for me so <laughs> I, I think the funniest thing about all of that was when I got there they kept talking about this term culture shock. And I just kept like shrugging it off. Like they act like I've never seen white people before. Like, this is not a big deal. Like, <laughs> Oh, culture shock, this culture shock that. And it took a couple of months for me to understand what they meant. It's, it's not like you haven't met another person who doesn't look like you. It's different when you're dropped into an entire culture that's different from yours, where the, you now become like a true minority culturally. Um, and I think that on top of, just not coming from a background that was very well versed in what it meant to go to college and what it, what you were supposed to be doing while you were there was very heavy. And it was a, you know, as I reflect on it, kind of a traumatic experience because I was having to learn very quickly. I was having embarrassing moments where I would say something and everybody would look at me like, wait, what? And I had to like quickly adjust and quickly in a sense, kind of change some of the things that I had grown up doing or the way that I was speaking or acting because this was a completely different environment. And I, I, I definitely had to go through a period where I had like two me's. There was Seattle me and there was Tacoma me. And if ever anybody saw me outside of my normal environment with them, it was like, oh, wow, you talk kind of differently when you're here. And I really had to come to a point where I had to merge those two people and really start to bring those identities together of like the things that I got from home, who I am and what I was brought up to be and who I was, what the world that I was now in and the skills that I was now gaining and the things that I was learning about. And I really had to blend those two identities together. And that, that was quite the process because it was, it was scary. It's scary to go from feeling comfortable and feeling like you're around your peers and everybody understands you because They've all grown up the same way and then being dropped into a world where everybody didn't have those experiences. I definitely had those moments of sitting around and everybody's like, hey, remember when this happened when you were younger? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, like that didn't happen for me. So I think that was 
that was a really interesting time to to really have to blend those two lifestyles together, I guess. Did that process happen before the end of college or were you feeling kind of that split, that feeling of split identity throughout your whole college experience? Uh, it, it happened after college. I think, yeah, college was, it was tough. You know, like I was saying, like I, being first generation, I was just really wasn't prepared for the importance of what this time meant and what it meant as far as like preparing you for, you know, a career. I hadn't really thought about a career growing up. My parents had jobs and they didn't see them as careers. And so the way that I looked at everything was the same. It was, you know, I'm going to go to college to get a better job, a job that will pay more um, than what my parents make because they did not go to college. It was really that simple and black and white for me. So as I was kind of thrust into this world where people were like, oh, I have my major, I'm minoring this, I'm double major this, and I'm taking this internship and I'm going to go to grad school. I hadn't even heard of grad school yet. I remember somebody told me like, you should go to grad school after this. And I was like, no, like I just got to college. This is going to cost me a fortune. Um, But yeah, I think afterwards, as I kind of continued to make my way up, whatever ladders I was trying to make in the job world, um, I understood it more. And hindsight is obviously 2020. And I was like, oh, I see what I was supposed to have been paying attention to and how this, the things that I was learning there should have helped me in the next area of life. But I was just kind of like treating it like, I guess like I treated high school, you know, I got to go to biology class today, go get the good grade and move on. I'm not that into biology, just got to pass the class. So yeah, that was, that was kind of what I was struggling with there. But yeah, as far as socially, it was tough. It was like, nobody really understood what was going on with my background. I, I was kind of the you know, I was, the, I was the token. So it was always kind of like news for them to hear something from me or like, you know, very different. Or people would say like, oh, yeah, we don't really go to Tacoma that often. And, and for me, I'm like, why? It's just like every other city. But now that I've been in Seattle a little bit more, I'm like, OK, I, I under, or certain parts of Seattle, Queen Anne area, things like that. Um, I understand how Tacoma can seem a little bit more scary for somebody to go there. So. If you were working with a high school, middle school or high school kid who you knew was going to be first generation, first in their family to go to college, what are a few things that you would want to share with them? Like, what do you wish you had known or someone had told you or like a mentor or a coach or a teacher? Is there anything that someone could have told you or taught you before you landed on that campus? Or were these the, were the thing, the challenging experiences more like Cult, the, truly that culture shock and the cultural experiences that just take years to kind of sort through? I think part of it was the just kind of the culture shock. I think the other part of it, um, it makes me think of a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And the book kind of speaks about the examples that you have in your life. And what you saw growing up is kind of how you end up um, modeling your life, or at least kind of like, that's the standard, I guess, that's set for you. And a lot of people who are rich and they have kids, their kids get to see the things that their parents did. And so for me, with my parents having not gone to college and not having a career, the habits and the routines and the things that they did were different. And so they didn't have a, you know, a long term plan as far as their work went. It was go to work to provide for my family. So it was a very much like a daily, just daily grind. And that's what I saw. 
But for a lot of kids that I was going to school with, you could see that their minds were focused on this like far out goal. And that's what everything that they were doing from the day to day on a day to day basis was leading to. And it hadn't really clicked for me because I didn't set goals that far out. I didn't have these long term career plans or these long term ideas. It was a lot of, you know, take care of today's work and then handle tomorrow's work when it comes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was kind of the the biggest struggle that I saw as I looked around. I was like, why is everybody else so busy? I'm, you know, I got my work done and I'm moving on. And they're like, oh, I got to study for this. And like, oh, I got to get into this thing. And, you know, I looked at it just like I looked at high school. Once I graduate, I graduated. Well, you're, you're back at work. You're working with the kids again. And they're, they're coming back during this time of civil unrest. And most have also likely experienced some level of trauma during COVID, you know, being removed from their communities and school and um, so much change there. What are you most concerned about as you consider the health and well-being of kids during this time? I think I'm mostly just concerned with helping our community get back to some sort of sense of normalcy to help just combat that trauma, that rapid change that all of us have had to go through and, you know, hopefully normalcy, you know, complete normalcy at some point. But here is my favorite counselor. Here's my favorite snack. Um, here's the field again. <laughs> Any of those things to just help them get their mind back to like, oh, you can relax a little bit, you know, come down off of that anxiety. Because it, it's been anxiety, uh, an anxiety filled time for all of us. And just to try to help relieve a little bit of that, I think, is what I'm most excited about. What do you want us to consider as we communicate with kids about the pain and unrest that surrounds us today. I mean, there are going to be some really hard conversations around pain. I think it's really important right there to teach them the difference between sympathy and empathy. I think for myself, that was really important in understanding the pain of other groups that I wasn't as connected in. Um, It really helped me as I started to learn more about groups like LGBTQ and the things that go on, the things, the pain that they have to go through. Um, uh, women, the things that they grow through, the things that they're fearful of. Um, so I think that's kind of something that I try to help them to understand. Like there's a difference between feeling bad for somebody and really trying to step into their shoes so that you actually have a a deeper connection with them on a human level. We all have pain. Uh, we all go through things. And just because you don't look like someone or come from the same background as them doesn't mean that you can't experience the same you, we don't experience the same range of emotions. And Marcus, what do you feel like sport is bringing to physical activity is bringing to kids? Let's ending on a high note thinking about what sport brings to young kids. I think it it kind of helps with the the stuff that I was just talking about. You you have this common denominator Um, that you all are there for. Like, we all love basketball. Here we are. We all speak this same language. You like this ball just as much as I do. You like to score just as much as I do. You want to win just as much as I do. So it really cuts through a lot of that extra stuff because we're not here for that extra stuff. Um, And I've been, that's what I think was really encouraging to me during, you know, quarantine as I was watching different sports shows They kept talking about the locker room environment. And what it's like when you get into a locker room and how close you get with this group. You know, if you haven't seen them in a while, you're like, man, I miss, oh, I miss these people. Oh, my God. Like, oh, I miss you have these strong connections with them. And it doesn't matter that they're white, black, female, male, 
you know, it, it doesn't, none of this matters to you because you just want to get back to doing that thing that you love with this person. Um, and I, I think sports gives that to us. It gives us a medium to connect and not have to worry about judging prematurely or at all. Just we're here for one thing. Let's do that thing. And we learn about each other through that in a more productive way. Marcus, thanks for taking a little time and um, stay healthy out there working with those kids and yeah. what you're doing with the kids. And but I hope everybody stays healthy. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much.